I don't know how many of you know this about me, uh, but I'm a very futuristic person. Uh, I'm constantly uh, thinking in the future. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly thinking of where our family is going to be in five to ten years, uh, what house we're going to be in, what it looks like, uh, what the yard looks like, because uh, I can't stand having weeds in my yard. And yet, uh, because we're renting, I can't just go out and buy fertil- or fertilizer and... and, and uh, take care of that in our own yard. So I'm constantly thinking about how great our yard's going to look. Uh, I'm constantly thinking five to ten years from now for the church. Where, the church, where is the church going to be? What the building's going to look like. Uh, I'm constantly in the future thinking. Not that I can plan to get there. I can just picture it all. But how we're going to get from here to the future, well, that's, that's up to somebody else. <laughs> I can just see it. Uh, I hardly ever think about the past and it's hard for me to uh, even enjoy the here and now because I'm constantly just in the future. So you can imagine this uh, makes for some interesting conversations with Anne and me uh, because what does Anne like to do? Anne likes to reminisce. Anne likes to talk about the past and oh, you remember when we went on our honeymoon and we did this and remember when we used to do this and uh, remember when we did that one thing that was really fun? Yeah, I remember it. But think about all the cool stuff we can do in the future. (laughs) That's how a lot of our conversations go. But when I do reminisce, I often think back to my childhood, and I always go back to the dinner table where we had a family meal. At the dinner table, I can picture it perfectly, my brother to my right, my sister across from me, my other sister on my left, my parents at the other end of the table. And uh, that is where we laughed. That's where we joked. That's where I made my brother mad by stealing food off of his plate. Uh, That's where my sister, my younger sister, would always need to have a different meal prepped for her because she was such a picky eater. Uh, A lot of times she just had macaroni and cheese for dinner every single night. Uh, This is where my mind goes back to. But as we got older, what happened? We all got to high school. We all started playing sports. Practice times were different. Uh, Family dinners became less and less. I left for college, and now family dinners are few and far between. Uh, In fact, maybe once a year we have a family dinner together. It's safe to say that even during during the times when we were having family dinners, I took them for granted. Uh, We all did. A lot of times we wanted to eat as quickly as we could to get back outside and play wiffle ball or go back upstairs and play video games. We always wanted the TV on because uh, there was some sports game on that we wanted to watch or our favorite TV show. We took that time for granted. And the song is true. You don't know what you got till it's gone. There's another supper that we oftentimes take for granted. Uh, We don't mean to. It's not our intent, uh, but we do. And that is your first point this morning, is that we we tend to take for granted the Lord's Supper. Again, we don't mean to do it, but we sometimes do. Maybe for those who haven't worshipped with us very long, um, you, you might be thinking, now wait a second, how do you take it for granted when I've never even seen you uh, have the Lord's Supper here at peace? And that's a good question. Uh, we at Peace practice membership communion. 
And the reason for that is because uh, in the Bible, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul says that while the Lord's Supper is such a great blessing, it can also be taken to hurt our faith. In fact, Paul says that's why some of you have sicknesses and diseases, and that's why uh, some of you have even fallen asleep. We take the, the Bible very seriously here at Peace, and we take your faith very, very seriously. Uh, the last thing I would want is to serve you the Lord's Supper or communion, uh, and you take it to hurt your faith. And so our practice here is to instruct so that we are all on the same page, we all know what's going on, uh, and that we can receive the Lord's Supper for our benefit. But for you members here, for you members here, let me ask you this. Do you take the Lord's Supper for granted? We don't want to say no, but let me ask you this. If you miss the Lord's Supper, we, we celebrate the Lord's Supper on the second and fourth Sunday before the service. If you miss the Lord's Supper, are you upset about it? Does it hurt you a little bit? Or do you just kind of chalk it up to, well, we'll catch the next one? As we come to the Lord's Supper, uh, do we just come in and, and forget how special it is and, and what is actually going on and we just go through the motions? Do we act like it's just another ritual, another tradition in church that we have to check off the list? Or do we realize uh, that this is Jesus coming to me personally? We sometimes take the Lord's Supper for granted. And we don't want to do that because this is a very, very special meal. And so th today that's what this message is all about. We're going to look at just how special this meal is and why we never want to take it for granted. We are, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, we are in the ransom. Second week, what did Jesus give up for us? Today we focus on His body and blood. We are in Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse uh, 12. And here's what we're told. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? All right. Festival of Unleavened Bread. We just read that in Exodus chapter 12, right? Uh, what was it? This was a festival that God started on the night before the 10th the plague came to Egypt. And I want to uh, give you a little more background on that. Uh, God had said, it's time for my people to go. You're going to leave Egypt. You're going to leave your life of slavery. 1500 B.C. God sends Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says no. And so God sends nine plagues, nine miraculous signs against Egypt. And they were so miraculous that even uh, the sorcerers and magicians for Pharaoh came to Pharaoh and said, uh, this is not magic. This is the hand of God. We can't do this. You should listen. And Pharaoh said, no. And so God says, that's it. Here comes the 10th plague. It's gonna, I'm going to kill every firstborn son in Egypt. And as shocking as that is, what's even more shocking is God, through Moses, tells Pharaoh what's going to happen, and Pharaoh says, not going to let you go. Now think about that. Nine plagues have come and gone, just like God has said. 
God said, this plague is going to happen, and it happened. Don't you think by the tenth time you'd say, you know what, Uh, maybe there is something to this. Uh, Go ahead, I do not want my firstborn son to die. But Pharaoh says, no, not going to let you go. And so God says, all right, Israelites, here's what you do. You're not going to be, I I don't want to kill your firstborn son. So, sacrifice a lamb and spread its blood over the doorframe. Eat, roast the lamb and have unleavened bread. Eat it together as a family. And then as a family, go into your house and when when I come to your house, I will pass over it when I see the blood on the door. The lamb's blood is what saved the Israelites. This is the festival that is going on during Jesus' time. And during Jesus' time, there was a rule for all the Jews that you had to celebrate in Jerusalem. So all Jews from uh, the whole Holy Land are coming into Jerusalem, into the walls of the city, to celebrate this Passover. And Jesus' disciples say, Jesus, where do you want to celebrate? And here's what he said. He sent two of his disciples telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house that uh, he enters. The teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. Is this Jesus being God? Is it Him showing His omniscience, uh, His all-knowingness, His all-wisdom? Hey, go into the city and this is what you're going to find. Did He talk to the man beforehand and set things up Himself? Could be a little bit of both, right? Either way, Jesus sends His disciples and say, prepare for our supper in this upper room. Because no one's going to walk by. It's isolated. It's just going to be us. And it's here that the Lord is going to institute or begin the Lord's Supper. And here's what we're told. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and when He had given thanks, He broke it and gave it to His disciples saying, Take it, this is my body. Then He took the cup, a cup, and when He had given thanks, He gave it to them and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. So this is the Lord's Supper right here. This is it. Jesus takes the bread and says, this is my body, takes the cup, this is my blood. And there are three things we learn about the Lord's Supper here. Number one is that the Lord's Supper is a family meal. The Passover was a family meal, right? The Jewish people were supposed to eat it with their family. Take a lamb for your family, kill it, roast it, eat it as a family. Go to sleep as a family. And the same is true with the Lord's Supper. Jesus celebrates the Passover uh, with His family. No, not His mother, not His stepfather, not His brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles but with his family of believers. Uh, These twelve, his twelve disciples, were the family of believers, the ones that he had been training for three years. 
Were these the only Christians? No, absolutely not. Uh, there were plenty of other Christians around. But notice what the disciples aren't doing. Jesus doesn't say, hey, disciples, go out, bang on some pots and pans and say, hey, everyone who believes that Jesus is Messiah, come up to this upper room because He's going to do something awesome. No, He doesn't say that. This is for the family of believers that He has instructed for three years. You want to talk about a long Bible information class. Three years before confirmation finally happened and they received the Lord's Supper. And yet it was with this small family that Jesus gives the first communion, the first Lord's Supper. And it bonded them together in this new covenant, this new promise. As you come up to the Lord's Supper, you aren't just receiving an individual meal. It's not just between you and God. It's between you and the family believers that are gathered with you. You are bonded in this new covenant As you look to your right and to your left, you know that the person standing next to you struggles just the way you struggle. They question God the same way that you question God. They struggle with sin just like you struggle with sin. They need the same forgiveness that you need. And they are journeying to the same place that you're journeying. You're doing life together. And sometimes this bond of a family, when you receive this Lord's Supper, this bond of a family of believers is sometimes even closer than blood, right? Because not all of your family members believe in Jesus. Not all of your family members receive the Lord's Supper with you. This is the family of believers that are in the blood of the new covenant, the new promise. Just like when the Lamb's blood was shed on the doorposts, it saved the Israelites. Jesus' blood shed for us delivers us and frees us from our slavery to sin. And when you stand here, all of these family of believers have the same exact thing in common. You are all set free from your sins. It's a family meal where you're bonded together. But it is also a personal meal. Jesus tells His disciples, take, eat, take, and drink. You, take it and eat it. It's for you personally. Now, think about what's going on here. Everything about this Passover meal was designed to take them back mentally to the land of Egypt. To bring them back to talk about how, Jesus, or how God delivered them from the slavery to the Egyptians. The sights, the sounds, the smells, every, even the order of service. Because they didn't just pray and eat, they had a service that went along with it. They sang a couple psalms, uh, and, and at one point, the, one of the sons says, Dad, tell us about what's going on here. And the dad, every year, repeats the story of the Passover to remind them of how God delivered them from their slavery. Everything is designed to bring them back to the deliverance. And here, after this is recited, Jesus says, take and eat. Take and drink. This isn't delivering you from human slavery. This is delivering you from your slavery to sin. And that's what we receive personally at the Lord's Supper. Jesus comes to us personally in a miraculous way 
He gives us His body and blood with the bread and the wine. And He says, you are forgiven. But wait a minute. Aren't we forgiven at the cross? When Jesus died on the cross, isn't that where I'm forgiven? Absolutely. But what does Jesus know about us? He knows that if He doesn't come to us personally, we're going to look at this cross and we're going to say, it's for everyone else but me. I've done too many bad things. He couldn't possibly have died for me. And Jesus says, I'm not giving you that option. So He comes to us in His body and blood personally and says, you are forgiven. I am coming to you and giving you personal forgiveness. You are in the covenant with me. You are in a promised relationship with me. And the promise is that where my blood is shed, you are forgiven. And He gives us His body and blood to remind us that we are forgiven and comes to us personally to forgive us. An incredible blessing. And there's one aspect to this meal that we oftentimes forget. And we might not even know. And that's your third point, is that it is a heavenly meal. Jesus finishes the Lord's Supper by saying, Truly I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Jesus is going to drink of this meal again in the kingdom of God. Have you ever wondered and thought to yourself, man, it'd be great to experience heaven, at least for just a little bit, just for a little while. That's what we have in the Lord's Supper. It's incredible, but it's true. In the Bible, uh, it's, heaven's often referred to as a big banquet where Jesus is ahead and the family of believers gathers around His dinner table and we all eat together. Why? Because it's at the dinner table where people bond. And that's what the family of believers are going to do. They're going to eat and drink with Jesus. And this, the Lord's Supper, is a foretaste of that heavenly meal. It quite literally is a little bit of heaven when you come up here and receive the Lord's Supper. You get a foretaste of what that's going to be like. It's going to be a pretty neat day when we are able to sit across the table at the Lord's Supper and Jesus be at the head of the table and we look at each other and say, we've been doing this for a long time already. We've been receiving this, the foretaste of this amazing meal that we are now experiencing forever in heaven. It's an amazing meal that we never want to take for granted, but one that we want to treasure, we want to respect, we want to look forward to. Because here, we have a family meal. We have a personal meal. And we have a heavenly meal. As I was getting ready for this sermon this week, I found an article online. Uh, and it was the top three things that every, every person loves to hear. And I don't really know how, how true it is because honestly it was on a blog post. So take it for what it's worth. But I thought it was really neat. Um, the f- number one was, everyone loves to hear I love you. Everyone loves to hear, number two, I forgive you. And everyone loves to hear, number three, let's eat. What do we find at the Lord's Supper? Jesus saying, I love you. I love you so much that I'm willing to give my body and blood for you so that number two, 
you know for sure you are forgiven. And number three, he says, take and eat. Take and drink. This is my body and blood so that you know that you are set free from sin and the slavery to sin and delivered into the promised land of heaven. What an amazing supper we have. What an amazing supper we treasure. Amen. Please stand. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank You for giving Your body and blood to us uh, that we may know that we are forgiven and set free from sin. We ask You to help us treasure it always. Amen.